any additional comments or words of wisdom you'd like to share with our listeners? The industry is tough, but what's what's most exciting is that there's more and more venture capital that's going to move over to solving for big grand problems uh, that really matter to folks. So things are going to get easier and even more fun every single year. And uh, I think that we have a chance now, Gary, to hire some of the best talent in the world. This is C2C, where we cover innovation in the food and CBG business from conception to consumption. Welcome to the podcast, everyone. Today, I'm excited to have as my guest, Rihanna Lin, who is CEO of Journey Foods, a very interesting company in the innovation space. We're going to learn a lot about them today. Uh, Rihanna, welcome to the podcast. Thank you, Gary. Really happy to be here. I'm a big fan of Trace Gains and, and the work that you've done. So I'm excited to have this conversation today. All right. Fantastic. So, Rihanna, why don't you first start off telling telling our listeners, give, give some of your personal background, how you got into the food and the innovation business. Yeah, so uh, I really started in food uh, through more of a scientific lens. So I was originally a biologist and genetics researcher uh, at University of Chicago, uh, working in the middle of, uh, with some of the, the world's greatest genetics uh, researchers. But I happened to live in, in a food desert at the time. If anyone has been to the university or the south side of Chicago, Hyde Park, Woodlawn area, you know uh, there's lots of history there. Uh, we, some of our greatest leaders have come from, from this part of the, of the city and the country. Uh, but this university, however, even though it's endowed with billions, is right in the middle of several food deserts and lots of segregation. And, and it was at that time, uh, even though I had done and dabbled with entrepreneurship here and there uh, throughout college, uh, that I decided I wanted to uh, launch a side business, likely in fresh food item space. And uh, that became my first major company, uh, a, a chain of juice bars, uh, in about 10 years ago when it first launched. Uh, and you know, for a while there, I had been just building lab websites and keeping my uh, web development chops on the side and, and bringing it out here and there and really saved a lot of my uh, research labs money and I, I was able to make a little money here and there. But when I launched this first uh, food company, uh, Shopify was just becoming popular and uh, we really took off uh, between 2010 and 2011. Uh, so food was of interest to me because of just direct experience, but I also would like to say that I had amazing parents and grandparents uh, that introduced food to me in, in a very interesting way. So my grandmothers uh, migrated to Chicago from the South many decades ago and were either into local farming, uh, family farming, or uh, vegetarianism. Uh, I have a grandmother that's 88 years old has uh, been almost vegan for 40 years, and that's very rare here in this country. So she introduced me to like clean eating and uh, really paying attention to the food that we put in our body. And my other grandmother who migrated from Alabama in the 60s uh, taught me about farming and gardening early on. Uh, and then I have a grandfather 
uh, that passed away just a few years ago at 97. Uh, that was a local meat and fruit distributor in, in Virginia. And so I'm very, I'm very grateful for all of these experience and experiences and viewpoints. Uh, and I, I've just rolled that into my development over the past decade as a food entrepreneur. It's in, interesting background, interesting personal background and you being sort of a serial entrepreneur and uh, the genetics background at uh, University of Chicago. Uh, so now Journey Foods, tell, tell us about Journey Foods, your latest uh, adventure. And, uh, you know, what's what's the company do? What's the company's mission and strategy? What makes Journey Foods different? Yeah, you know, what I love about Journey Foods is that it really encompasses every part of what excites me about the industry, the problems of the industry that uh, are, are really being faced through, for a lot of food companies, but also my overall background. Uh, so we, we really aim to solve a lot of the food science and supply chain inefficiencies through software uh, to help companies feed you know, upcoming eight, 8 billion people better. And what I like about this is that I get to go back and put a little bit of my scientific lens on um, because we and I largely believe that there's a lack of data right in the middle of the supply chain uh, that can help drive more actionable insights and faster product development for the millions of products that hit our grocery stores and shelves and uh, delivery vehicles every single day. And so uh, our technology improves uh, product management, ingredient intelligence and manufacturing insights for many companies that people hear of uh, and have heard of for quite a while, uh, big Fortune 500 food companies. But we also work with very exciting growth stage startups that are innovating and looking to find the next ingredient or product that can really shake up their vertical. And so uh, with a focus on saving companies money and time, uh, we really accelerate innovation and improve decision making around product management, ingredient management for many companies. And uh, what's been most exciting is that uh, we found this year in COVID uh, with our focus on bringing the workforce food science into the cloud, uh, there's been just tremendous interest in growth uh, because because folks aren't, aren't really able to go in. And so uh, that's what I love about Journey is it brings in the scientific side of, of me. Uh, we are a team of half data scientists, half food scientists. And, uh, you know, over the years, I've spent time scaling up CPG companies, working in vendor capital, spent some time at Google. And I, I feel all of those experiences are, are really nailed down here in Journey Foods and, and just been excited with our growth and partnerships over the past year and a half. I, th I think your timing is superb. Uh, this whole podcast is all about innovation in the food and CPG space. Companies seem to be under more pressure than ever to innovate uh, based on consumer trends and, and preferences and things like that. Um, what, what are you seeing out there, Rihanna? What, what sorts of trends do you believe you're seeing it, amongst consumers and you know, talk to us a little bit, if you could, about what you believe are trends versus fads. Yeah, well, I think we see a lot of fads, you know, uh, come through the ranks of social media here and there. I think I came across uh, cookies. Were they cookies with uh, 
Sour Patch Kids <laughs> uh, in them. Like chocolate chip cookies mixed with Sour Patch Kids. It's quite interesting uh, discovery. Like those things are fats. Um, they're, they uh, work essentially they're partnerships with big companies that already have a supply chain or products in place. They leverage nostalgia. You know, this year, a big theme has been nostalgia uh, as folks just want to ha have more mental stability and mood grounding uh, in the wake of the pandemic. Uh, and so at times you'll see like fads sort of more seasonal uh, and more driven by viral ideas that come from our social media, for example. Uh, but what I'm really seeing and what a lot of us are seeing are very key trends that are going to have tremendous impacts on the next decade. Uh, and that's uh, plant-based items. And I'll, I'll dive into that a little bit more. Clean ingredients, that's been a trend for a while, but uh, there's a even broader scope of innovation there when it comes to using like sea-based elements like blue-green algae, for example, natural coloring and dyes. Uh, that are really starting to take off and, and clean ingredients uh, that are replacing ingredients that um, on a cost on a cost basis. So uh, before clean ingredients were, were really for a certain subset of consumers that just could spend a little bit more. But now we're starting to see clean ingredients really replace uh, lots of ingredients that we brought in and industrialized over the past 40 years just just to feed so many people. And it's almost every group of consumers is now demanding more transparency and more uh, do better for me food, essentially, and cleaner ingredients. And so uh, finding cost-effective clean ingredients that can replace lots of staples uh, is, is a very big trend. And then one that is less talked about, but I think is starting to bubble up, especially uh, late late May, early June, is the idea of cultural inclusion uh, for our makers and our eaters. And I've been blogging about this quite a bit. And, and that's really the fact that we have a changing demographics across the country. Lots of, lots of Gen Z and millennials uh, are first generation or uh, the purchasing power of Black and Latinx individuals are as much, much greater and the communities uh, of of these folks are really driving purchasing decisions and in e-commerce, and so uh, that's also giving power and rise to uh, newer innovators, uh, startups that are founded by uh, you know women or uh, minority minority founders that come from all parts of the country or are, are immigrant. Uh, children from all parts of the world. And so this cultural inclusion of our food uh, in, in many ways uh, between buyers and between makers and eaters is also going to be a big trend. And, and we're seeing especially uh, black entrepreneurs and, and eaters uh, driving more trends for com companies as they demand more inclusivity and more seats at the table. Lots of seismic shifts there, and leaders at food and CPG companies 
in my view, have never been under as much pressure to innovate and yeah, to, yeah. you know, fill as many of those needs and niches as possible. So I guess maybe this is where Journey Foods comes in. So what is, what, describe your products and your capabilities to our listeners. What exactly does Journey Foods do to compress innovation cycles? Yeah, Gary, I like you. I like the way you say that, compressing innovation cycles. Uh, we care a lot about the ROI for our customers. Uh, so the way that we set up our platform is really by starting at the ingredient level. So as I mentioned earlier, we want to make the most actionable database uh, for our customers and, and just in the world. So what that means is we have to, and we're looking at, uh, hundreds of variables for every single ingredient and trying to log as many ingredients as possible that actually makes sense that can go into an end CPG product. And so uh, I think one, there's been two, there's been two major problems here. One, brokers and distributors have held and manufacturers have held most of this data. Uh, you know, they, they sort of have, they've controlled the market Right. So if you want to create a new product, a new powder, a new cereal, uh, buy interesting ingredients, it's typically the same brokers and the same manufacturers that keep that relationship. And, and most of the time, this information is not available in the cloud. Uh, so you may have an idea as a product marketer or a food scientist at a large company, but you have to go through many different silos. Uh, and it's really the information is extracted and not even either not available in the cloud or have been extracted into uh, sort of private clouds uh, that haven't really helped a lot of internal teams move faster. So that's one part is getting more quality information, very deep information and a breadth of information into the cloud. Uh, and so that was that that's a low hanging fruit for us. Like, how do we get as much ingredient and manufacturing information into the cloud as possible? That really dives into all the, all the various uh, key markers of ingredients that companies need to develop, you know, a a a, a juice beverage or a uh, plant based cheese or 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 a functional powder, for example. Uh, and next, what we do is bring in as much regulatory data as possible uh, so that our customers know, especially on the nutrition side, so our customers know if, if I'm including certain ingredients or, or bringing or reformulating certain products, like does that meet uh, nutrition standards uh, for the FDA? For example, when we have uh, in USC, I have new regula regulations around nutrition labels. Uh, are these ingredients approved to go into large scale in Canada compared to US? So if I'm if I'm reformulating a beverage for the Canadian market, can I use the same quantities? Uh, not always. And so uh, our system recognizes those uh, quite instantly. And then lastly, we're all about partnerships. And I'll get into a little bit later about our, our future product roadmap, but we like to partner with, with 
bigger firms that already have supply chain data so that we can help drive insights for you on top of what you're already doing. We don't want to be this siloed system. We want to uh, help all of our supply chain warriors and food product warriors uh, not only make more money and get more valuable data, but uh, work together because at the end of the day, this is a huge problem. And we're not going to solve this as one lone software company or data company. Uh, so integrations and APIs is a big part of how we see uh, uh, that we can drive and compress, as you say, these development cycles. Mm, mm. Interesting, interesting stuff. With Without giving away any uh, company secrets, Rihanna, can you tell our, our listeners about the processes or technologies that you use? What what additional can you share with them to better understand Journey Foods? Sure, so let's just give an example of a company, a cereal company, they come to us, uh, they have five cereals out on the market already. Uh, we bring that information in, all their ingredients, their product information, uh, and we start generating logs on their overall profile. Uh, they then may want to enhance some of these cereals, um, maybe lower sugar, enhance some of the functional ingredients. And so we, based on uh, a set of questions and portfolio settings that they fill out, we start generating recommendations for them uh, and connecting them with their, a, a new and updated ingredient portfolio. Uh, our system sends some weekly updates to their email to tell them, you know, any findings or discoveries or recommendations we may have or, or changes that have been uh, affecting them through this, the larger supply chain. Uh, so, so there's like a reformulation and improvement aspect that more than 70% of our customers go through. Uh, and then they may want to generate a new product line or a, a new cereal, for example, uh, and through several uh, key questions and, and, and settings that they fill out. Let's say they want a cereal that is good for gut health, uh, or it may have a more high fiber cereal. Our system will start pulling in data, matching it to some aforementioned, uh, more aforementioned uh, standards that I mentioned that uh, I went through around regulatory uh, requirements and, and label requirements, and then. Uh, they, we start generating those new product versions for them as well. Okay, so pursuing that serial example, like you said, your your client might say, "Gee, I'd like to, I'd like to reformulate this for higher fiber. Maybe they want to reduce sugar. Maybe they want to do other things to to make it a you know better quality, nutritious product." Um, and so what you're saying is what Journey would do is come back and say, oh, um, you know, if those are your goals, here's here's some ingredients that we might suggest to uh, to have you explore. Is that basically what you're doing? Yeah. So we give them the recommendation list for the ingredients, but also what that actual product formulation would look like. Uh, and, and we also dive into other other markers that are uh Sustainability as well. Some of our customers are asking to replace certain ingredients with more sustainability uh, indicators, as such as uh, lower water scores or lower greenhouse gas emissions. 
Uh, so those are part of some of our uh, variables that we dive into on the ingredient level. But I think you're exactly right. Uh, that's how our customers come to us and we recommend these new ingredients for them, but we also recommend like a full formulation for that cereal as well. Mm-hmm. That's terrific. And so, um, you know, we talked about cereal. What other, what, what are some of the other applications that you're seeing out there in the marketplace? And, you know, uh, without giving away any trade secrets, uh, any, any general success stories you can share. We are definitely seeing a pickup in beverages. Uh, we started our system focused on plant-based ingredients. So a lot of our customers are, most of our customers are plant-based. Uh, we, in terms of success stories, uh, we've had over 860 uh, formulation improvements. Uh, and we've launched We've launched uh, several dozen new products into the market and, and co-manufactured uh, a few million. Uh, that number is set to jump quite a bit in, in the coming year. Uh, when I say co-manufactured, that just means like we created a formulation with them and they went to the market with it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so that that's, yeah, I'm, I'm super excited to say that we're approaching a thousand reformulations, uh, mostly plant-based. Uh, but I think we're going to continue to dive into baked goods, beverages, uh, alternative meats, alternative dairy, uh, sauces, and uh, yes, big. I mentioned baked goods. I'm. I think baked goods is a really exciting sector as well. Hmm. Excellent. Let's let's get back to, you know, the the landscape and evolving consumer tastes. Uh, you touched a little bit on this with your personal background and interest in, in food and different regional food. But what what do you what are you seeing out there, Rihanna, in terms of uh, different consumer tastes that are evolving, a different uh, diversity of tastes, different parts of the country, around the world, around the globe? uh overall trends what are you seeing out there you know i i just think the opportunity for plant-based alternatives is is quite vast uh you know think of all of the applications of of milk and milk powders and products uh across the you know the average grocery store has more than 40,000 SKUs. uh just I, I imagine and i i would i should have this data but i'm sure that more than 50% of these SKUs have some sort of dairy or dairy adjacent product in it. Uh, and so there's so many products that consumers are driving, whether it be for religious reasons, uh, health reasons, you know, more than 60% of the United States consumers are lactose intolerant. And they're starting to catch on to the fact that uh the effects of of lactose in your body are very wide ranging, more than just an upset stomach. Uh, and so uh, there are, I mean, there's 200 million people that really don't want that much milk, <laughs> and they it was sort of forced upon them because of you know USDA requirements that was that were not that inclusive for many years. Uh, and you know, at the end of the day. We've just been manufacturing food at a large scale for you know, a few decades. Uh, and so there, we just didn't know a lot about 
how this affected our body and environment. And, and as we started to catch on, uh, of course, the corporate interests uh, are, are quite delayed, but uh, consumers are really driving uh, compassion. And I think compassion is going to be shown in the nutrition, the nutrient density, and the functionality of our foods. Uh, so almost every food product is going to have to work for the eaters uh, and not against them. Uh, and so that means that we're going to be seeing a lot of toxins and a lot of uh, highly ultra-processed products that really are deleterious to our health uh, be removed from the system. And so that means that, that means that there's a great opportunity for chemists and food scientists and manufacturers to think about natural alternatives. I think food dyes uh, are going to have a huge revolution in the next couple of years uh, with natural food coloring coming from ingredients and discoveries from around the world. Uh, and then lastly, most Gen Z uh, millennials, I think that food isn't interesting or spicy enough. And so spices and flavors uh, from around the world are going to continue to have an uptick as, as add-ons and accents to our products. And you know, in the wake of COVID and the shift in how we service and use restaurants, you're going to see more personalization coming through uh, from our, our our apps and our delivery system. So the Instacarts and the Uber Eats and the Cloud Kitchens are all going to see more growth, but also more opportunities to infuse data into uh, the full consumer experience and really make sure make sure that we're bringing products to people that work for them and, and uh, they can feel more connected to that experience too. That's a, that's a great line. Food products working for eaters, not against them. Um, I'm, I'm here with uh, Rihanna Lynn, CEO of Journey Foods. Uh, Rihanna, we're, we're recording this here in early September 2020 in the midst of a pandemic. Um, talk to our listeners about evolving trends in light of COVID, reduced travel, lots of people staying at home, cooking at home. Um, how, how do you think that's influencing the industry overall? You know, what's interesting is I had a talk yesterday with the chief innovation or information officer uh, at the National Restaurant Association. And it's probably information because they need to be more innovative. And uh, and he basically said that 25% of restaurants, more than $200 billion is being lost, has been lost this year. Over 100,000 restaurants will close. Mm. Uh, and that's just like not my experience. Uh, we've grown, our customers have grown all from startup to enterprise, from uh, Jenny and her uh, cookie dough to Walmart uh, on the CPG side uh, because we are sitting at home, we're cooking, we're baking for the first time, people are starting to learn uh, more self-sustaining uh, processes when it comes to feeding themselves. And so you're seeing plant-based meats grow 300, 400% since March. Uh, record, record numbers of growth when we were just gonna eclipse $700 billion this year in packaged goods spend that will eclipse 900 billion. Uh, and the restaurant industry went from 800 
billion to 600 billion. So uh, the shift from uh, restaurant culture back to house culture, home culture is, is real. Uh, and I think that will continue for a while. And if not, it's, you're just going to see restaurant culture sort of come in more pods and groups in the communities where cloud kitchens are going to be delivering to backyards and parties and, and those things. And so uh, community and home, I think, is the trend of the year. Uh, and I don't think anyone wants to I I used to travel to conferences and to food events every week. And I never wanted to return there. Uh, I want to build as much of the system on the cloud as possible. And um, I, I just don't think that uh, we imagined that the shift like this was going to take place. Uh, and it's just going to change food uh, forever. Interesting. Interesting times. So getting back to innovation, uh, Rihanna, what do you think some of the biggest ongoing challenges and speed bumps are that you see uh, in this space and with the with the clients you deal with? Yeah, it's 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 a it's a combination of ingredient alternatives, ingredient discovery, and cost and availability. So, can I? use this product, this new ingredient, this new discovery, and also meet the demands of uh, the target customer base that we're trying to sell to and not affect or fall into the margins that I need uh, to create a sustaining product. Mm -hmm. And so uh, that's really the speed bump here. And that's why we need to continue to create great partnerships. Uh, so that we can answer these questions before you go too far down uh, the innovation pipeline. Like so, so many billions of dollars are spent in R&D for food companies uh, for many products to be scrapped because they either don't work for the end consumer and they're not getting enough data throughout the process or because the supply chain doesn't work. And so we need to have the consumer data and interests and the supply chain data and interests at every step of the way. And that's one thing that we've, you know, really been working on at Journey Foods. I'm here with Rihanna Lynn, CEO of Journey Foods. Check them out at journeyfoods.io. Um, Rihanna, what, what can you tell our listeners? What can you share on what's next for you and for Journey Foods? Yeah, so in our product roadmap, we're really focused on two Ps and, and that is uh, packaging, uh, so uh, we want to be able to uh, make sure that the products that we recommend also fall into the right packaging scope that's sustainable. Like our, our packaging crisis has also been accelerated in the wake of COVID and we, we want to reverse that. So if, if we're seeing CPG growth and we want to see more CPG growth and more nutrient dense products on the market, we don't want to uh, harm our environment with deliveries and, and packaging and sort of one unit uh, plastic packaging that has, it really affects uh, sort of the, you know, I, I, I know this year I've probably ordered more packages uh, for delivery than I have in the past like three, four years, right? 
So that mm. means like this year we've accelerated our pollution of uh, products and packaging that's not as reusable. And that's super unfortunate. And so we want to help our customers find and match with the best uh, packaging for the products that they put out. Uh, and then additionally, uh, the other P is, is really like we need to make sure that uh, as I have been uh, repeating here, that we have great partnerships. Uh, this is a huge problem, right? And uh, we're not going to tackle this alone. Uh, and so data and APIs and partnerships, uh, this is going to continue to be a great driver of success, success for our customers. Uh, and we're, we're very mindful of the types of investors that we take in uh, so that we can continue to drive partnerships that make sense on a mutually beneficial side. Yeah, well, I think those uh, those are good observations. Uh, personally, I'm I, I'm not aware of any supply chain in the world that is as massive and fragmented and complex as the food supply chain. So, no one company can tackle it all. Um, Rihanna, I ask all of our guests uh, the same question, uh, two part question: What advice would you give to two different sets of folks? First, innovators that are already in this space in food and CPG, what advice would you give to the innovators already here? And then secondly, new people just launching their career in this space, what advice would you give them? Sure, for the innovators in the space, I would say continue to look for creative examples of innovation outside of food. Uh, this can be community, this can be urban culture, this could be uh, the ways that software and delivery companies that have nothing to do with food uh, in the middle of Silicon Valley or operating or virtual reality companies. I think some of our greatest assets are in collaboration and, and sort of uh, fusion of ideas. And so I, I, I largely believe that the food industry, food tech can still be a little bit too insular and our most successful companies will hire and acquire ideas from outside of the industry. Uh, so you have to, it's really a process of creating that lens of how you bring that in. But I, I would leave that advice for the current innovators in the space. And then uh, for the new people just starting in the space, it can be incredibly lonely early on, and especially now with less conferences and trade shows and those things. Uh, so find ways to connect, you know, via Twitter or social media or emails and Zoom and being brave about cold calling. But I think, um, you know, that's that's hard, I think. And, and also really embrace e-commerce. I think that's going to continue to grow in, in many great ways and solve a lot of uh, bigger, more complex supply chain issues in, in, in it in an interesting time now. Uh, but it's up to us, Gary, um, to, and, and I'm excited that you brought me on, you know, as a young minority innovator in the space. Uh, I think of myself as a top innovator in the space, not just like a black woman in the space, but there's not enough of me and there's not enough of uh, lots. There's not enough of innovators coming from rural Mississippi, you know, and we just need to find more ways to get 
quality food thought, future thought leaders um, into the conversation. And so it's up to us to find ways to continue to do this and inspire a more diverse range of faces out on these uh, in these calls and uh, across uh, the ecosystem. Good advice. Uh, good, good worldview. It sounds like you've you've thought deeply on a lot of these matters and you're really taking the long view. So I'm sure a lot of folks appreciate you for that. Um, Rihanna, before we go into wrap up, any any additional comments or words of wisdom you'd like to share with our listeners? The industry is tough, but what's what's most exciting is that there's more and more venture capital that's going to move over to uh, solving for big grand problems uh, that really matter to folks. So things are going to get easier and even more fun every single year. And uh, I think that we have a chance now, Gary to hire some of the best talent in the world to come into food tech. And that's what excites me. And I hope some of the listeners here are inspired to either jump over or bring, you know, friends into the industry and uh, connect with me on Twitter or LinkedIn. And we have a newsletter where we not only talk about food science and and product development, but also many other things that have to do with CPG and food uh, and social issues. So I hope to connect with the listeners and uh, very excited to answer a lot of questions today. Excellent. And I, I couldn't agree more, by the way. I've been involved with technology for the food industry for over 25 years. And to me, this is the most exciting time ever. This is no, this is no longer sort of a sleepy little keep making the products your, your parents and grandparents ate industry. There's uh, the pace of innovation has really, really picked up. So exciting times. I want to thank my guests today, uh, Rihanna Lynn from Journey Foods. Rihanna, thank you so much for being on the podcast. Thank you, Gary. Really excited to join you and the Trace Gains team here. Uh, looking forward to, to sharing the chat and uh, have a great rest of your week. Thanks for listening to C2C, where we cover innovation in the food and CPG business from conception to consumption. Just type the letters C-T-O-C, no spaces, to find us on iTunes, Stitcher, Podbeam, and Google Play.